Big Sis Podcast. We love Big Sis. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Big Sis Podcast. I'm really glad you're here. My name's Karen Mason and I've decided to branch out on my own away from the mainstream media platforms that I was used to being on and I've created a new media brand called Big Sis Australia. We cover topics that are important to females but I really love the blokes having their opinion as well so everyone is welcome. Let's get this pod started. If you haven't heard of the name Simone O'Brien, then make sure you take a mental note right now. I met this amazing woman at an event in Geelong about two years ago, and that's when I knew, when I saw her standing up on stage talking about her journey, that she was about to become the face of domestic violence awareness here in Australia. She's a domestic violence survivor and advocate for the White Ribbon Foundation, and she's very busy sharing her journey around the country so that we can all understand the severity of this issue in our society. Hey, Simone. Hi, how are you going? Hi, darling. I'm so good. And um, thank you for your time. I know you are flat out. It's been so busy. And I suppose me being busy is, is actually quite sad on the flip side because it is dealing with domestic violence. But my passion to help make a change, you know, for women and children is above and beyond now. Well, even the fact that you have driven how many hours to see me right now? <laughs> Three and a half to four. And you got up at what time? Um, I got up at three to get myself ready and, and left about 10 to 4 So thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, okay, so let's get straight into your journey. And we've discussed this before because you've been featured on my social media with Big Sis Australia. And we mentioned that you don't actually like it being called a story. It's your journey. So, And I think that's really um, an interesting way to think about it, that it's, it's almost not a victim mentality. It, it's your journey. So run us through what happened prior Prior to the attack? Prior to the attack, I was a, a single mum um, with three children and they were 15 and a half, 12 and a half and 10. And I was 37 at the time and I thought, oh, I need a, probably need a partner. I haven't been dating anyone since my divorce from my husband of the three children. And I'm not a nightclub-y pub person, so I like to have a beer, don't get me wrong, but um, that's at home with the children and family and friends. And I went on the dating sites, and I'm not an IT-savvy person, but I came across a guy on there, and he'd been in real estate, and I thought, perfect, because real estate agents I knew had police checks, and that was sort of like my barrier. That, Were you yeah. one yourself? Yes, I yes. was, yes, so yes, yes. I knew yeah. that, yeah. Mm. And um, so I thought, well, that's a bit of safety barrier for me because I hadn't dated for many, many years. And, yeah, moving forward, that's how we connected. And we text for quite a few months, and then he said, can I call you? And I said, yeah, sure. So we then we started dating, went on dates and everything, but you know, little red flags started to appear. And on the Saturday... So what, your intuition was kicking in? It was, yeah. Okay. I, had, I had a gut feeling and um, I just thought, you know, it just didn't feel right. And because I hadn't been an experienced person with men, I thought I had to get out of it. And um, so the Saturday prior to the 25th of September 2012, this all happened in a period of nine months. Um, I rang a friend and I said... I've got to end this relationship. You know, I was actually quite nervous to end it, actually. So how many dates do you think you'd been on? Not a great deal, but, you know, we've seen each other, you know, quite regularly towards the later part of the relationship. So and you, roughly how many months do you think? Oh, we've probably only actually seen each other. Out of the nine months, yeah. it was probably only maybe four or five months, to be honest, okay, um, between yeah. the texting because that was quite a few months. Mm-hmm. So I didn't end it on the Saturday because I had the children home. So I did on the Monday when the children had gone to school. 
Okay, so you've ended it with him. Yes. And then uh, we're going to talk about the actual day that this partner left you to die on your own bedroom floor. Okay, so he's come back to talk to you at your home. Yeah, I arrived home from work and the two girls were home. Zach was actually at basketball. And I said to the girls, I said, Mummy ended the relationship today and Gabby was really excited. She was like, yes, because she'd been my like my partner for so many years and she was 15 and a half. She didn't like him no, either. No, no, yep. and I think because he was taking time away from her and Ashlyn and Zach. And Ashlyn said to me, um, you know, this little girl's only 12 and a half at the time. Mummy, will he come back? And this was at 6 o'clock. I was, you know, at the bench getting dinner. And from 6.06 to 6.16, that's when my life changed and the perpetrator actually knocked on the door and stormed in and the look on his face, obviously I just went in protection mode thinking of the two girls Mm. Um, and he said, can I speak to you in the bedroom please? And I said, yeah, sure, you know, trying to keep that motherly figure for the girls and went in there and I never shut the bedroom doors being a single mum just so I can hear the children if they're burping or farting or vomiting or anything. And um, next thing I know is I'm on the floor and I didn't know how I was going to get out around the bed out the door, but I look up and the perpetrator's actually got a baseball bat and he's swung at me and I've put my arm up. Obviously, he's broken my arm and then the girls came running in because I screamed and um, he hit my arm again and basically that's all I can remember then waking up in hospital after I've endured 45 to 50 whacks of the baseball bat to the right side of my face. And... This is the thing, because I have spoken to you and interviewed you before, I do know your journey and, and this particular part of it, And uh, but it still breaks my heart and I know that the, our listeners listening right now, it's really hard to comprehend. But the other thing that I don't want to miss out in this information is that Somehow that baseball bat was just in your room. It was, Can you talk yeah. to us about that? The CIB don't know how. They reckon that he planted it in there to kill me. They don't know how or how why. How we got it there because yeah. you'd broken up with him. Exactly. And somehow it just miraculously appeared. You didn't even own a baseball bat. No, and poor Zach even had to go through the process of being interviewed over the baseball bat. And obviously 18 months, two years down the track, I was even asked about the baseball bat because they were wondering if I'd had it in there. Yeah, well, so, they're yeah. wondering where it came from. Exactly, And yeah. because he didn't walk in with it. No, so. no, no. Okay, so I'm going to take a deep breath because it it really affects me to actually absorb what's happened to you. Mm -hmm. So your arm's broken, your head's been attacked with a baseball bat 45 to 50 times and you're in hospital and you're in a coma now. Yes, I was in a coma for a long, long time and um, when I came out I didn't know what had actually happened to me and no one was allowed to tell me because of the brain injury what had actually happened to me and I figured it out bits and pieces as time, months went by, um, what had actually happened and who he was and, and different things as well. So obviously you don't know any of that so you've had to ask your family and friends that were coming in and visiting you. Yeah. Uh, can you, I know it's so hard for you to go back in time because you've come so far and, and you're speaking on a daily basis about this. So you're so strong to be able to do that and you're reliving it. But I guess for our listeners right now, how does it make you feel to think that you were left to die 
and you're in a coma and we're actually able to speak right now. I can't even comprehend yeah, how no, it feels um, for you. It's like I'm in a different life now um, because honestly when I was on that floor and my arm was broken, I actually thought I was going to die. I didn't know how I was going to get out of there. So to wake up and know that, wow, I'm still here, obviously that was months down the track waking up and maybe the doctors gave me a little injection and put that power button into me because that's just what I want to do now is speak up about it and help that next female and child. Mm, Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you're doing such a wonderful job doing that. Uh, Let's go into your recovery. So you were in the coma for a few months. So we're talking now five years ago. You've had how many facial reconstruction surgeries and tell us about all this time that you're still spending in and out of hospital. Sure, yeah. Look, it's something now, I've had 50 operations. I've got one for the rest of my life because I've got implants on the right side of my face and I need the fat underneath. I've, you know, I've had the section of my skull re- removed. I've lost my eye and my eyesight in my right eye. I've lost my sense of smell. I've had my whole jaw all shattered. So for the rest of my life, I'm going to find having food an issue to eat wherever I go. And I remember that time that I had lunch with you and my mum and, you know, you, you can't even actually eat bread still no. because your mouth probably only opens to how many centimetres? Um, when it's at a good time, mm. they can get it to 30 to 35, but after every operation or treatment that I have, obviously they can't do the physio on it to open my, my jaw up. So because this is an audio, it's pretty hard for people to imagine what you're going through. And I can also see that the eye that's been replaced. It's a glass eye. A glass eye. Yeah. That's always weeping. So it is, you're constantly yes. having to wipe that wipe with that. a tissue. Exactly. So I just want to be able to paint that picture for everyone. Like it wasn't just that day. This is an ongoing battle now, just in survival mode exactly. again. Yep. So one of the exciting things, if we can see any kind of light from what's happened, is that you are now spreading the news about awareness and maybe some things that might help people get out of the situation earlier, sooner rather than later. Exactly. Um, So you've been launching a red flag signs series. So when you go out and speak, you've you've been talking about these signs that you feel are really those red flags because you were listening to your intuition when you removed yourself from that partnership. So can you now tell us your six red flags to look out for? Yeah, which are really basic basic red flags and um, it's like deleting contacts from your phone, stealing. So he did that? He did that numerous times and obviously I was what blaming a children. thing yeah. to do. And that's, it might seem small but the perpetrator is actually taking you away from your family and friends so you can't contact anyone. Well, especially if you need um, their help. Exactly. In, like you need your phone last minute if he's attacking you you weren't really able to contact anyone. No, that's right. But being a single mum with three children, life was busy and obviously he didn't like that busy life and that's why he was doing it to slow me down so I couldn't contact the school if I needed to, you know, volunteer my services or anything. So Okay, so one was trying to control you with your phone and who you're in contact with. Yep, yep. Yep, And even um, number two is stealing money out of your wallet. I was actually blaming Zach. (laughs) Paul Zach got in a lot of trouble and 
I'm smiling now about it, but the poor little boy, like obviously at that stage she was 10, and I'm thinking, is he taking it to school or different things? I say, like, Zachy, what are you doing, mate? Stealing money out of mummy's purse, you know, ask for it, I'll, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, no. And, and he's and, like, mum, I'm not doing it. And you're like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, and... Were you doubting yourself because... I, do you know what I was? And I even, because how this evolved was we'd been out to dinner the night before with a group of friends and you know how you have the table where you can't split the bill. So I obviously put everything on my credit card and my friends gave me cash. Mm. And that's where it, the first example was because all the cash was gone within, you know, a couple of hours. So really? that was a real eye-opener. And like I wasn't, I'm not just talking $50, you know, type of thing. Did so. you find out if he was had an addiction or something? No, I didn't. No, no. And I suppose moving forward into the electronic appliance, it's the same thing with Zach's iPad for school. They had iPads that they had for education. And I was blaming Zach for leaving it everywhere. But we actually didn't find this out after the court hearing, but the perpetrator had actually taken all the children's electrical appliances and sold them. So that was red flags that were actually just in action. dishonesty. Yeah, as well. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess it's like the honesty or, or that distrust. Yes, to look out for. exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And down to even, um, he never cared what I wore, but would always try and take me away, like not to be in the line of friends and family again. Like, let's go do this down the Gold Coast or, you know, which was taking me away from Brisbane, where I lived um, when the attack happened. So, Putting me on a, on a limelight, I suppose, to think, let's go away for the weekend because then you don't have to go to the children's basketball and things like that. Do you know what I mean? It's right. really... Um, and Isolating not, you. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. that's the same with the mobile phone and things it's like that. It's all... Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, you know, the money thing is... is you could put it down to, I suppose, financial control in a way yeah. as well, a red flag. In, he knows yeah. where you are and yeah. what you're doing because yep. you're limited, I guess. That's right, yeah. Okay, what's the next one? Are we and, up to number four? Yeah, another big one was um, making people known that he was my partner and that so was... owning you, ownership. Yeah, and that was sending sh- flowers into work every week. A big bunch of flowers would come in. So it was like... You'd think that, it's romantic, but then you thought it was a little bit over, yeah, overly the, done? the first bunch, yes, yep. But then when it kept going, I thought, nah, this is creepy. Yeah. You know, right. like it was... You it know, didn't feel sincere. No, no. It felt, yeah, I forced. suppose... It's like a forced thing. I, I've actually dated a sociopath. Uh-huh. It's like they're trying to make you believe that it's this fairy tale yes, and yep. sweep you off your feet. Exactly. Yeah, yep. it's, it's a, an illusion, I yep, think, exactly. to cover up. Yep. Yep. And another one was he really got into Zach's ear, as in... So your son was 10 at the time. Yeah, okay. and because there was no dad around, he obviously grabbed onto Zach, thinking, well, I can you know, take him jet skiing and different things and do the manly thing. So Zach never wanted me to end it with him. Oh, so, so okay. it was like a bribery. Um, right. Yeah, you know, if you get Zach in, then and obviously Zach is my little boy and love him to bits, and I didn't want to hurt him after him, you know, not having a dad and and that around. So, so tapping yeah. into your heartstrings, probably, probably, mm. yeah, because he knows what to pull and not what couldn't pull, yeah, and that's manipulative. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I've seen that as well, and I suppose that's where. It, all my gut feeling came to. I was just putting all these little things together that, you know, there was no, he never hit me and never swore at me or anything prior to this and no drugs or alcohol involved. 
And so that's why it was these. Yeah, it didn't add up. No, these yeah. sly little things. You just, just grew, grew in my belly, and yeah. that's when yeah, that's the day before. So yeah. And what was the last one? Number six. It's it's a different red flag, as in not towards the perpetrator, but probably looking at at Gabby, knowing that she wasn't comfortable with it. She obviously. So that's your other daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the oldest one. Oh, eldest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so whether that was like an intuition she had, I don't know. Because I think family and friends can definitely see it because they know you so well. Yes. And as much as I think women. Sometimes we go, oh, you know, I know better. Like, yeah. what would you know? But they often are very much yeah. on the ball. Yeah, definitely. So, so listen to your family and listen friends. Listen to family and friends, definitely. Like yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm sure that they will help someone that might have been sort of brushing it off and thinking, oh, you know, I'm just getting to know this person or, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt, which I think especially women, we're very empathetic and yeah. so we're empaths and we want to see the best in people. So, exactly. So I'm assuming that you probably brushed a few things aside, but then now you can see that those gut instincts were for a reason. Exactly. Mm. And definitely, you know, and um, just quickly on that, the perpetrator also told me that he had, hadn't been married and no children. Well, after the court hearing, they actually found he had been married twice and did have three children. And he actually attacked the first wife. She didn't report it. He attacked the second wife and her parents. They didn't report it. So I'm the third wheel here of being a victim, and I shouldn't be if the first wife had reported it. So, you know, I suppose these little red flags I'm talking about are huge red flags. Mm. You know, they've developed into something and I just wanted to get out because of that. And, um, yeah, I shouldn't be sitting here talking today about domestic violence if that first wife had spoken up. Yes, and we have spoken about this privately and the importance to speak up, you know, because it's really a sisterhood that we're talking about. But I think it's more a so I don't want any repercussions. So, you know, I think that's important that we are talking about it openly and exactly. honestly. Yeah. And, you know, I suppose I look back, I didn't know anything about domestic violence. So I can totally understand why people aren't doing it. But now that it is out in the open, at least that if people can go up, we can save, you know, those younger girls that are going to come through later on in life. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so what actually is the end result for this perpetrator of yours? The perpetrator did get life for attempted murder. And the judge even told me at the time, life isn't enough for what you have put Simone and her family through. Wow. Mm. And as every prisoner does get to appeal, um, he did appeal. And his reasoning for appealing was because his first lawyer told him to plead guilty. But it, it was washed out once the Baden Clay um, murder case was sent back up to murder. He withdrew his application. And that's the problem, isn't it? There's no remorse. No. There's no empathy. It's just whatever he thinks he can get away with. Exactly, yeah. yeah. All right, well, I'm sure that you've got a lot of information today and that I really hope that Simone's journey can help you, whether you've been thinking of getting out of a relationship or, you know, it might just help you down the track when you start to get this intuition, really tap into it and listen to it and follow these six red flags if any of them are resonating it's probably for a good reason. So Simone O'Brien, she's doing some amazing stuff around this country. You will see her face popping up. She's doing some amazing stuff with White Ribbon as well as some football clubs in Victoria trying to get this awareness out there. So if you're not already following her stuff, you can definitely find her on her website and then you can start following her on social media. But her website is simoneobrien.com.au. We'll chat again soon, sweetie. Thank you.
Coming up next time, did you know that most women hold past trauma in their yoni? Now, what is a yoni and what is yoni mapping? This could actually change your sex life forever. Make sure you tune in. Tune in.